Season 2 of Cyber 24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35-plus years means they have the experience and expertise to help your business from desktop to data center. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and more productive. To learn more about Valcom's end-to-end -end solutions, the technology vendors they partner with, and to sign up for upcoming events, visit their website at vlcmtech.com. That's vlcmtech.com. Cyber 24 is supported by the Utah Department of Public Safety, as well as the Utah Department of Technology Services and the Utah Attorney General's Office. In addition, the University of Utah's Kem C. Gardner Policy Institute is where we record this podcast each week. At the Kem C. Gardner Policy Institute, they're dedicated to helping Utah make informed decisions. We're also proud to have the support of Secuvant, a Utah-based company providing business-enabled cyber risk and management. Every week on this program, these great partners will provide expertise and insight to help business and civic leaders better understand the challenge of cybersecurity and how to keep your organization safe. We appreciate your support. Dunkin' Donuts is saying that its customer rewards program may have been hacked because America runs on Dunkin', but Dunkin' runs on Windows 98. <laughs> All right, that's Colin Joes from Saturday Night Live's Weekend Update, poking a little fun at lax cybersecurity practices at Dunkin' Donuts, or at least what used to be called Dunkin' Donuts. Now it's called Dunkin', but that's a, a whole other podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom. I'm Marty Carpenter. And today I want to jump into an interesting story, not just that Facebook got hacked, though there's plenty interesting about that. I want to talk a little bit about what that means in the larger picture. Uh, it brings up an interesting question, in my, my opinion. Uh, are Americans ignorant to the impact of breaches of cybersecurity and what that actually means for them? Or have we just become numb to them? They pop up in the news from time to time, always with these staggering numbers of people who could have been affected, but rarely with any next step, any call to action. And I wonder if we're just sort of starting to tune them out a little bit. Other than the Equifax breach, I, I can't recall the last time that the news included steps, specific steps people should take to find out if there had been, uh, if they had been one of the millions of people who were impacted. And maybe it's just because the impact is so often delayed. I mean, think about it this way. Your personal data is breached somewhere. Bad guys may or may not have it. If they have it, they may or may not use it. If they use it, you may or may not find about it. And at some point, it just gets easier to assume that you're okay or to just assume that even if you're not okay, there's nothing you can do about it. And so on to the next issue you have to worry about. There's a general feeling of helplessness, I think, among people and hopelessness that there's not much that can be done. We have to use the internet. <laughs> and with that comes accounts and credentials. And as much as you might do the right thing to keep yourself safe, you can't always trust that others are going to hold up their end of the bargain. And there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of accountability for that. 
Uh, let's take, for example, one of the latest breaches to grab headlines, Facebook. Uh, as many of you may have heard, uh, late in the summer, early in the fall, I guess you'd call it late summer, Facebook was victim of a sophisticated hack that compromised the accounts of some 50 million users. 50 million is one of those big numbers that comes at you and it almost just makes you kind of rub your temples and close your eyes and then think, well, that's a, that's a lot of people. I, I probably am one of those people, but I don't know really what that ultimately means to me. So I want to jump into an article uh, published by Forbes, written by Thomas Brewster, and the headline of the article says, How Facebook Was Hacked and Why It's a Disaster for Internet Security. Now, he writes this. The company's security team found three bugs were used in the attack, saying they were used in combination to successfully break into Facebook accounts. Forbes spoke with professional web hacker and cybersecurity researcher Thomas Shadwell, who pieced together a likely hypothesis on how the mystery hacker or hackers carried out what's believed to be the most significant ever attack to have hit the social media beast. The perpetrator's ultimate aim was to steal what are known as OAuth bearer tokens. That's O-A-U-T-H, like O-authentication, OAuth bearer tokens. Uh, The article continues. Essentially, these tokens prove the Facebook user is the rightful owner of an account and denote what they have access to. As Shadwell describes them, quote, OAuth tokens are like car keys. If you're holding them, you can use them, and there's no discrimination of the holder, close quote. And in the context of this this attack, the article continues, those keys unlocked not just Facebook accounts, but any site that affected users' access uh, with a Facebook login. That might include Instagram or news websites. I know that I use my Facebook account far less than I used to, uh, but I'm on Instagram quite a bit. And so maybe that's something that piques people's interest a little more to see that Instagram uh, and other related sites all tied in with Facebook, uh, in, in Instagram's case, owned by Facebook, uh, that, uh, that, that make a difference or that, that, you know, that, that causes you a different level of concern. All right, the article continues. To get those keys, the hackers abused a feature in Facebook called View As. You've seen this on Facebook, by the way, just a little editorial note here, where you can go onto your Facebook page and there are some things you can go look and see what they look like to other people. Um, Not just what you see when you log into your account, but what other people see when they go and visit your page. Uh, Continuing, uh, this View As uh, setup allows any user to see what another can access from their profile. So if you blocked your dad from looking at your photos, you can check if it's working by essentially telling Facebook that you're going to impersonate your dad and then view your profile. Uh, this is where things get a bit weirder. If a user via view as impersonated a friend who themselves had a friend who had a birthday, the feature would also show a box prompting them to post a happy birthday video. Thanks to an error made by Facebook in 2017, the video provided the user with one of those precious tokens. More specifically, the video player generated and sent the user a token, one that would log them into the Facebook mobile app as if they were the person that were impersonating via view as. So from there, the user, in this case a malicious hacker, would have total access over that other person's account. The attacker wouldn't have found it difficult at all, the article theorizes, to spin up the basic premise uh, of the hack into something massive affecting millions of accounts. Okay, that's from the article from Forbes. We trust the big websites, probably more so than we should. And what we've talked about a lot on this website is, or on this podcast, is how to protect 
how, how to do everything you can to stay safe, to, to protect your ability to log into something, having complex passwords, uh, not getting fish, not getting scammed. And these are things that for businesses, you want to make sure that your employees are up to date on and up to speed on and are really practicing so that they don't cause you massive data breach issues. In this case, we're talking about something that was a vulnerability exposed by a hacker. Um, so the Forbes article goes on to point out that the reason a hack of this scale and sophistication succeeded against one of the internet's biggest players, Facebook, one of the reasons it should cause users concern is that so many of us have seen this on websites. You go to log in and it says, hey, log in with Google, log in with Facebook. You essentially let them store that password or you're saying, hey, use my password with Facebook to get in here. And there are other places that are now accessible because you've gone that route. So when something like this happens, when you essentially say, I trust a big internet player, everybody knows Facebook, everybody knows Google, uh, and Google, again, not impacted here. I'm just using them as an example. When you trust a large, well, let's call them an internet behemoth <laughs> to manage your access and your security, and something like this happens where... 50 million people potentially have their information compromised with Facebook. Does that give you pause? Is your confidence at all shaken by something like this? Maybe it should be. But I can tell you, I don't see much public outcry. I don't see it as a real water cooler topic. I don't hear people talking about this often. The Equifax one was maybe the exception. That was so big and everybody's applied for credit and that deals directly with with something tied to your own prosperity. That seemed to, to, to go past the tipping point. This one doesn't. And maybe that's that they come more frequently. Um, maybe it's because, as I mentioned, there's just this sense of hopelessness. It's just remarkable how laissez-faire we as internet users treat these breaches at this point. And at some point, uh, are we all just accepting them as the norm? And if we do that, at some point doesn't that diminish the responsibility of the companies involved? Interesting questions to ponder. Love to get your thoughts. Hit us on Twitter at Cyber24 underscore uh, or on Facebook. Look us up. Cyber24 is uh, the keyword to find there. More to come after the break. We've got some insight for you from our panel of experts on what advice they would give anyone looking for a career in cybersecurity. You're listening to Cyber24 presented by Valcom. With today's ever-evolving digital landscape, every PC decision is a security decision. For world-leading protection, Valcom recommends and partners with HP for their business-class PCs that are built for easy management with cutting-edge security features. Secure your devices, your data, and identity with stronger hardware, self-healing protection, quick and secure restoration, three Intel authentication factors, and privacy screens to protect against visual hacking. With so many PC options on the market, where are you even supposed to begin? Well, for secure business PCs, Valcom, which by the way is a Platinum HP partner, recommends the Elite and Workstation families as a great place to start. Check out vlcmtech.com slash securepc to learn more or request a demo for HP Elite Books and Z Workstations the world's most secure and advanced PCs. Again, that's vlcmtech.com slash secure PC. 
Secuvant is a leading network security company specializing in creative, customized solutions that meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. They offer a wide range of services, everything from managed security and virtual CISO consulting to cyber risk advisory and data breach recovery assistance. No matter what your specific security requirements are or what your comfort level is with IT in general, Secuvant will map your cybersecurity program to the business areas that are relevant to you. Everything from brand and reputation to legal liability to intellectual property to business disruption and so much more. For more information, call 1-855-SECUVANT or visit secuvant.com. That's S-E-C-U-V-A-N-T.com. $300 million. That's how much money the cyber breach at FedEx cost the company, all because they were not insured for cyber breach losses. So if you're a business owner of any size, you have to ask yourself, could my business survive a hit like that? I'm guessing the answer is no. The fact is, over half a million small to medium-sized businesses will close their doors as a result of a cyber event. So what should you do to protect your business? Talk to the cyber liability professionals at Hayes Companies. At Hayes Companies, policy placement is only one step in an overall risk management approach to manage your firm's cyber liability exposure. They design a program specifically for you customized to your business priorities. For more information, contact Dave Whitwer, 801-580-5501. That's 801-580-5501. Or visit hayescompanies.com. That's H-A-Y-S companies.com. Most of the people in our audience today work in cybersecurity in some way. You all do. Um, by most any report, it's one of the most in-demand career fields where businesses are having an incredibly challenging time finding the right talent. So I wonder, even though our audience is particularly working, is already working in this field, if you would maybe share from your perspective some advice to someone considering a career in cybersecurity um, what sort of thing, what advice would you give someone who's, who's considering that um, beyond do it, don't do it? Um, maybe thinking from the perspective, if you could go back and start today, what, what good advice would you have for someone who wants to go make this their career? That's, that's a good question. I mean, let's, let's first address the, um, the subject matter expertise issue, and, and it's, it's, it's a pretty critical issue right now. Uh, I think that's one of the the issues that are affecting most businesses that are trying to increase their security is just finding the subject matter experts to actually help them do that. And um, that's, that's a really tough proposition. Finding talent, retaining talent, especially good talent, is, is extremely difficult, especially in certain areas of the country as well. Uh, Utah is struggling to find really good talent. Um, so I, I think cybersecurity is a great, if you have any IT background, if you you know you like computers or you, you just have uh, you know an interest in IT, I think it's a great uh, field to get into. Uh, depending on where you are with respect to your IT acumen, you know go get certi you know certifications are the the quickest route to um, gaining knowledge. But also find an internship somewhere. Um, there's plenty of internships where plenty of opportunity for you to learn and, and grow. Um, plenty of opportunity for uh, education as well. 
one advice, one piece of advice I'd give companies that are struggling is cross-train your current IT folks. You've got folks that have some general IT acumen. Cross-train them to become security experts and to learn what it takes to help reduce your risk and and uh, increase your security posture. You've got you've got a captive audience. You're, you're investing in them. They'll they'll find value in that. Uh, you trust them already. You've hired them. So. Use them as your, your base to increase your security posture and knowledge base and then continue to uh, try to recruit. Yeah, this is, this is something I'm pretty passionate about, actually. That's why I work for Pluralsight. Like, that's, that is the reason. It's that mission of and in creating a culture of learning. Um, if you don't have yourself a personal passion to learn, I don't know what the hell you're even doing in cybersecurity. Like that, like it is changing every minute, every hour, every day. And you have to develop that. You have to develop that desire to want to learn, to understand, to know, to be uh, curious. And, uh, and you have to also foster that um, in your team and in your workplace. Like there absolutely should be time for your team to learn, for you to learn, even at work. And hopefully you're not an eight to fiver, right? Like that's not, that's not being a cybersecurity professional either. Like it's our life, it's who we are. We eat, drink and sleep this stuff um, because it's innate in us. Like we want to learn and understand. And then to second, um, what Dan said, uh, um, what was I thinking with that? Um, we have to uh, not just foster it, but like look outside Look outside your uh, your security team. Look outside cybersecurity. I hired um, a program manager from a healthcare institution, and she's been the best add to my team ever. Um, we had to train her up a little bit on on information security and privacy, but she has just grasped it, learned it in, in a matter of six or eight months, which adds to my third thing, and that is add diversity. Like We do not have enough diversity in InfoSec. Um, in, in my opinion, at all, like, like you know, I look out here and, and and you know, I mean, it's a bunch of white guys, right? Like, no, we need diversity on our teams, and we should be out there fostering that and looking for that and helping to add that, add that to our cultures and our team. Yeah, I don't have a lot to add to that. Um, I don't expect that. What I do as a security professional today, I'll be doing in, in seven, eight years from now. It'll be obsolete, just like seven, eight years ago, what we did in security to some degree is obsolete. A lot of that's the pace and change in the vendor product space and the R&D, billions of dollars of R&D. Uh, you go to the RSA trade show floor and just walk around bewildered um, at, at what, you know, every year is a new adventure in um, marketing. but. Staying hungry. Um, I think all of you have skills and experience, in, and and cybersecurity has such a diversity of subdisciplines that build on what you already know. So if you're a network engineer, you can have a very rewarding career in in, in security. Uh, if you're an OS admin, certainly there's applications there. If you can code, you know, if I if I probably wanted to recommend a really solid future code security apps, code, work for a vendor and code um, product, because I think that's where the future's going. It's not wiring together products that are overpriced and only half-baked, which is what security really is today in most companies. It's um, 
creating those products in a, in a role with a vendor. This is one of my favorite topics. Uh, I spent a lot of time talking to uh, junior high, high school kids, college kids, um, in the different organizations here around town. The, the benefit of Utah is we have a really tight-knit security group, and almost everyone knows everyone um, in some way or another. Uh, the challenge is, is uh, with the introduction of Silicon Slopes and, and the, the mass adoption of security in the area or technology in the area, it's created quite a bubble in security. Uh, the good news is, from an employee perspective, you can pretty much get a security job doing what you want to do uh, in the area. The, the, from an employer perspective, it's a nightmare to keep people. So when we're looking for security people, you have to keep in mind, um, security is today like IT was 10 years ago. Everyone remembers you could do the email server, the domain controller, the wireless, and you were the same guy. You were managing the servers and the telco and the network all at the same time. And then slowly that started segmenting into, okay, you've got network engineers, exchange engineers, cloud engineers, and, and, and sysadmins. And, and then those kind of, okay, now I'm a, I'm a specific vendor engineer. And, and so that's what's happening in the security industry right now. If you, off the top of your head, can name you know, 10 different switch vendors, that's great. How many security vendors can you name? How many different products? How many different segments? How many different companies are out there spinning up every single day trying to get a piece of this pie because it's so massive? Well, who's trained up on those technologies, right? So you've got firewall vendors that are spinning into endpoint tools, spinning into cloud-based security tools. Are you trained up on those technologies? Are you wanting to be trained up on those technologies? How many, yeah. How many switch vendors does Valcom have in the catalog? 20? How many security vendors? 200? Hundred. So the, it, it, it's orders of magnitude beyond what we other areas in IT. And so that's the problem. The good news for everyone in this room is if you're interested in something, you can go research it. And the, the technology is changing so frequently that it could take you six months to learn AWS cloud security. And there's enough demand that the rest can be on the job training. Now, I'm not saying don't go get your certifications because you better go get your certifications in Amazon cloud security. But that's kind of the point is technology is changing so fast that don't think you've missed the boat because you've been stuck in infrastructure for, for 10, 15 years. You can easily pivot with the experience you have into a security related field and get a job very quickly. Go, go find the certification that matches to the, the skills that you already have and then you can make a pivot pretty quickly. Uh, one of the challenges we face right now when we're trying to hire security analysts is an analyst has an analytical mind and they, they don't usually come with infrastructure or sysadmin experience. And that becomes very, very challenging when they're having to, to monitor systems that they've never run before. So we're seeing college kids come out of four-year programs with certifications because they, they need the Security Plus or the CYSA Plus because the, the bachelors required it. But then you give them a, a, an Active Directory log and they're like, what is this? You know, how do I configure Active Directory? What's a GPO? You know, they, they haven't done some of these things. And that's not the fault of the education system. It's just the technology is changing too quickly that they can't keep up with when they get dropped into a new job, the, the latest and greatest um, endpoint tool that everyone's running. Well, and universities have jumped on the, the it's a profit making let's get a certificate in security and a master's degree and and folks are getting into security as a day one discipline when the best security people transfer over from network engineers or sysadmins or DBAs and so forth. Yeah, and I would also, you know, uh, on that note, advise, you know, like pick a specialty. If you're, if, if you're a sysadmin, Adam, 
do that. Like be the best at that. Understand that. Be good at that. Uh, if you're a network guy, like like focus in, hone in on that, and then learn the, learn the the security principles and concepts that come with that discipline, uh, and uh, and then don't be done. Like you're never going to be done. Um, you're always going to be wanting to learn and and grow and understand uh, and broaden what you uh, you know what you have you know that you can call on. I know I'm repeating something that's already been set up here a couple times already, but the technology landscape is changing at a, such a rapid pace that it's hard for the current security staff to keep pace. And so that's that's one thing that I would emphasize is, uh, you know, encourage and find time for learning. And, you know, we're working, we're working from eight to six, we're working from seven to six every day, and we're struggling to keep pace with the changing technology. And I think companies need to carve out some time so that their staff can keep pace. Because with, with just the day-to-day -day operation of running the business and keeping it secure, there never seems to be enough time to keep up with that changing technology. And it, and it, it changes on a daily basis. So that's one thing that I would encourage everyone to do is to carve out that time, whether it's just a learning session, training, whatever. We've, we've got to encourage and find time to, for our staff to keep up to, up to date on that stuff. All right, as we wrap up today's show, we want to thank our presenting partners at Valcom. You can find them online at vlcmtech.com. We also want to thank our supporting partners, the University of Utah's Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute. That's where we recorded this show and where we do it each week. Our friends at Secuvant, not to mention our great partners at the Utah Department of Technology Services, the Utah Department of Public Safety, and the Utah Attorney General's Office. A reminder, you can find us online at cyber24.us or on Twitter at cyber24 underscore or on Facebook, just search cyber24. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us. I'm Marty Carpenter.